Okay, well, I'm delighted to say joining me on this, the uh, one of these special Forever Bristol City podcast uh, episodes in conversation with, it's none other than our former player from the 89-90 promotion season, Dave Rennie. Dave, welcome to Forever Bristol City podcast. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad at all. Not too bad. Dave, you, you were born in Edinburgh uh, back in 1964. How did you get into football and why Leicester City? Um, it's, a, it's a bit of a, I suppose it's a long story maybe. Um, football was just like most kids in the, the sort of um, 70s, you know, when I was growing up. Um, I it, it was just, that's all we did. You know, there was no computer games, etc. As you, everyone says this, in my day, we didn't have all those things. But it was, it was, it was a case of all the kids were just out playing and doing something and for me and a lot of the kids in my area, um, I was playing football. So I just just loved playing. Um, I was lucky enough to be half reasonable at it, which meant I wanted to play more. Um, you tend to do things that you're, you're good at and enjoy. So um, I was out probably much every day um, playing football locally. Um, then at weekends playing, certainly when I was a little bit older, playing twice on a Saturday, once in the morning from a school, once in the afternoon for a, a boys club. And then often playing for a, a Sunday Sunday club as well. So um, it was just something I, I really enjoyed doing. And, and as I say, luckily enough, I was a, I was reasonable at it. So um, I, I ended up getting, it's, it's a long story. I, I, was, I wasn't getting any recognition for a long time, um, despite the fact that, you know, I was the captain, captain of Edinburgh schools and playing at a good level and playing well. And then it, so it, it, the penny dropped that um, it was because I was playing for, uh, a socially and um, unpopular team, let's say. Mm-hmm. I, I grew up on a council estate in, in Edinburgh, um, you know. So, and the club, the club I played for, was was formed from people on, you know, on that estate. Um, and I carried on playing for that, despite the fact that we were winning cups and leagues every year and doing really well. None of us were getting any recognition, and I could see players I was playing against and playing with at school level. Um, going off and trial with clubs, and I thought, well, how am I not getting anywhere? Why not? Why not me? Type yeah. of thing, yeah. Well, so why not I, any of us? Yeah. Yeah. So in so in my last year at school, I decided to to move clubs. So I moved to one of the more fancy clubs, and all of a sudden, I was getting invites from everywhere. So I um I I ended up training with in those days clubs like Hibs and Hearts, which are my local Edinburgh teams, mm. both had part time players as well as full time. Um, I don't know what it was like in the rest of the, the country in, in England at the time, but I ended up training on a Tuesday night with with Hibs and their part-time players, and then a Thursday night with Hearts and their part-time players, right. as well as getting invites from other places. So um, I, my my ambition at the time, for, for no real reason other than I thought it was a, a good career, was to go part-time and become an accountant. So I don't know why accountant. I just I went I went to good with to, numbers. Good with numbers. Oh, no, I wouldn't say I was particularly enjoying <laughs> maths or anything at school. I just thought that looks like a good a good career to be in, um, and I thought I'll have a career and play football on the side. And that was that was my sort of ambition at that time. I thought I could do both, um, but um, and I I actually got offered schoolboy contracts with Hibs, but I thought in my last year at school, where's the point? You know. You know, there's no point in me doing that. I'm just about to leave school. So if you want me, offer me a contract. Yeah. But they kept trying to say, you know, give us a schoolboy. And I said, no, I'm not not doing it. Then I eventually was, I was invited down to on trial with Man United over the um, 
the the New Year's, the Christmas New Year holidays uh-huh. um, in my last year at school, which I went I went along to, and that seemed to go well. The the coach at the time said we're definitely having you back, and and they actually did arrange for me to go back in my uh, in the Easter school holidays. Um, unfortunately, at the time, there was a rule that Scottish kids weren't allowed to go on trial with English clubs. Okay. Um, and so another kid that was supposed to be going at the same time, his headmaster found out about it, reported reported it to the, the Scottish FA. So Man United then says, so we can't, you can't come. Uh-huh. Um, luckily, Leicester City offered me to go on trial as well. So I ended up going there instead on Easter holidays, did reasonably well, and they offered me a contract. Yeah, uh, who was manager back at Leicester back in the it day? It was Jock Wallace. That was a Scottish, oh, so there was a Scottish connection yeah. anyway. Right. Yeah, so there's obviously a lot of Scottish kids and, and players there anyway. So I got offered a, a contract there. Um, I agreed to that. I, w- I went down there in the, sort of June as soon as I finished, playing, finished at school, which is when I was still 15. I was still a few months off my 16th birthday. Um, I then got... My, my dad gave me a call and said, Hems have been on the phone. They want to sign you. They're going to give you a large chunk of money to, to sign for them. Um, I said, well, no, they had the chance. You know, I hadn't already signed for Leicester at the time, but I just says, no, I'd give them my words. I'm going there. They had yeah. the chance and, you know, that's it. So that's how I ended up in, in Leicester. You up, and you started, I mean, it was a big move for you, I guess, sort of going from Edinburgh down south. Uh, good to make the break, but at a relatively young age. And I was just looking back through the statistics you were there from uh, 82 to uh, 86 but you you forced yourself into the team in season 83 84 with 15 appearances which were a 19 20 year old were Leicester in the top flight then or championship yeah no they're in the what you know the old first division which is now the, the premier um yeah. so you know so when I went down there yeah they were they were in the uh, the top flight I think they then got relegated mm. and promoted again so when I made my debut, it was in the, the top flight at the time, yeah. Can you remember that? Was it against a big, big club or it, it, it the less away, big clubs? It, it was away at West Brom. Okay. Yeah, so, um, I was um, sort of, a fairly relatively skinny 19-year-old, um, not far over sort of 10 and a half stone probably. I think it was, I remember being, we used to get met, weighed every every week and I was 10 stone 10 for about three or four years and never never much. <laughs> um and making my debut against, I, was, I remember it being Cyril Regis and Gary Thompson up front for West Brom. Oh, goodness me. Were, were you high. playing, because, I mean, as a midfielder, were you playing defensive midfield then or in the back four? Because I was going to say, if it was in the back four with those two beasts. Yeah, you know, it, was, it was the back four. So I was right. playing I was playing centre-half against against those two in my debut. <laughs> so it was a bit, I remember walking past the, the as you came in the ground, you walked past the, the home dressing room to get to the weight dressing room and the door was open and those two were sitting there with their just getting changed with the tops off and they looked huge and I'll <laughs> it was swallow thank God <laughs> um, but it, it went it went seemed to go okay we lost 1-0 unfortunately but um, but that's uh, not bad for a debut at that age who were your Leicester teammates at that time that you you bonded with or you remember for uh for different uh, reasons, you know, who were the characters, who were the stars in that side? Uh, so the supposed star at the time was Lineker, Gary Lineker. He'd sort of, of so he was sort of just sort of um, really making his name. It was not, not long before he got his move to Everton. Um, Alan Smith, who went on to yeah. Arsenal, um, he was there. Um, I'm trying to think of who the, the, the key people there. 
Um, it was a guy, John O'Neill, I sort of, I sort of made my debut with at, at the back. He played Northern Ireland International. Um, so there's those, the, Alan Smith and Gary Lineker were the, the, the better known names, let's say. Yeah. Um, yeah. After that, there was a, a few. Okay. Sort of, so you did you did four years with them. What brought about the move to Leeds? I mean, you were 20, 22. I'm guessing what career progression? You wanted more regular? Yeah. Yeah, it was um, with Leicester. Were always battling re- relegation, so they'd win one or three, and it, I mean, it was it was that sort of way. And I'd get in, I'd, I'd play, I'd play. I think what I thought was played okay, um, but we'd maybe lose, and we'd maybe lose a couple. Of, and I'd I'd always get dropped and replaced with keep the experience, the elder experienced players, and they keep moving, you know, dropping me, and that really sort of frustrated me. So you know, I. Um, Oh, excuse me, Dave. Just yes. Pause a second. Yeah, Front sure. Door. Carry on. Yeah. Sorry. That's all right. All right, carry on. There we go. Yeah, so I um, so I, I regularly get left out and then to the lost again, I'd come back in again and, and it was getting a little bit frustrating. So, <coughs> excuse me, I would, I eventually sort of um, went to see the, well, tried to see the manager after training, but it used to, at the old, City Ground, Filbert Street, there used to be the main entrance, and then there was an entrance through the ticket office, office and then there was another back sort of door that came out through the director's lounge. <coughs> Excuse me, just run up and down the stairs, I'm not as fit as I used to be. <laughs> um, so I'd be sitting and I'd, what the what used to happen was you'd go to the, in the ticket office, ask to see the manager, you'd wait there, and you'd say, yeah, I'll see you in a minute. And then he'd sneak out through one of the other doors. And, and this happened a few times. So eventually I sort of cottoned on, I think. So I went to, and asked to see him. And he said, you yeah, wait for him. And I went outside and waited outside the other door and, and caught him. Right, sneak <laughs> and was that still Jock Wallace? Was oh, this, this was Gordon Milne at the time. Oh, he, he yeah. wasn't. He, he was a bundle of laughs, I would have thought. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> um, so you know, I managed to get a hold of him. And then I um, basically sort of said... You know, went through. You know, you keep you keep dropping me and more experience. He said, "Yeah, well, I need experience." He said, "Well, why you play me instead of this guy, for instance?" You know, because I'm, I think, you know, I'm better this than him. I'm better that than I'm better this. Mm-hmm. I reeled it all off and he says, "Well, you know, that's my decision and that's it." And um, and I think I, I didn't ask for a move. I just, you know, but I, I think he sort of found realized that. I probably wasn't going to sign again. I wasn't happy. And then Leeds United just came in. And and who was the manager at Leeds that brought you in? Billy Bremner. Oh, right, Billy. Right. Yeah, so, yeah, so um, uh, that came in and that was, um, I was playing in the result at the time and, you know, that a lead to the, the championship, you know, for me, it felt like a big step up going to a club like Leeds. So, so that's that's how that came about. Yeah, Ellen Road. It's uh, it's a hotbed for home fans, isn't it? Yeah, you get a big atmosphere then. And I guess at that time you would have come into contact. Correct me if I'm wrong. I may be wrong. But you would have come into contact with players that played at City. Ultimately, obviously, one of them being Bob Taylor. We'll come on to Bob later. But was Carl yeah. Shutt at Leeds at that time as well? He, he came, yeah, he came towards the end of my time there. Yes, yeah. So he he was a, obviously an ex uh, ex Sheffield Wednesday player. Then Howard Wils- Wilkinson took over at Leeds, and he came with you know one of Howard yeah. Wilkinson's signings. So yeah, so he was there towards the end of my time there. Yeah. And did you enjoy, I mean, you played uh, after Bristol City, that's the club you played for the most amount of times, 101 uh, appearances for Leeds. Was it a successful period? Did they win anything, get promoted at all? Or was it just holding uh, 
holding steady. Yeah, it was it was pretty holding steady. When I went there, they were they were you know filled you know almost just just above the relegation zone in the in the championship. And there was there was potential looking to go down, um, but managed to you know improve on that. And then from then on, they were sort we were sort of mid to, to probably nearer the, in the top half of the table. We playoffs one year, but you know I think the first year of the playoffs we Leeds got to the playoffs. But unfortunately, got knocked out. And that was the time where the the, <coughs> the top team, the third team in the third the team from the bottom, yeah, played the, the third bottom from the the Premier, which was Char- Charlton at the time. And the we lost to Charlton in a, a playoff at uh, at St Andrews at Birmingham. Um, and then we got to the FA Cup semi-final one year, um, and that was sort of the year before before I left and went to, to Bristol. Yeah. So it so- was relative, relatively good, but not. Actually, won anything. Yeah, but you were playing regular first team football by then, so you're yeah. in your uh, early twenties, and you, I guess, happy with how your career was going. Um, Bob Taylor came to City in the spring of '89, if I recall correctly. Um, summer of '89, Joe Jordan's in charge. Tell us how the move to uh, Bristol City came about. What 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 did Joe say he was looking to do, and what convinced you to come way down south? Yeah. We- yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a, a bit of a contrived sort of um, way it came about. I actually stayed, but I actually I got injured while I was at Leeds, um, and it was, you know, I I was certain there was a problem with my lower stomach. Um, the physios and the doctor said, "No, it's your groin. It's a groin strain." And wanted to give me injections in my groin, and I said, "Well, it's not in my groin. I know where it feels. It's not, you know, it's, you know." I said, so I said, "No." I got called into uh, Howard Wilkinson's office one morning. He said, "Are you a you know are you a surgeon now?" I says, "No." He, he said, "Well, you seem to know better than the doctors." I said, "Well, I don't know better than them, but I know where I know where it hurts, and it's not my, my body." Yeah, yeah. and it's not in my groin. So um, this was towards the end of the season. Um, so we had this disagreement, and I wasn't a fan of the way he played as well. The way you know the Leeds played. I could see that wasn't um, the relationship him with him was going to be difficult, so I, I asked to get a move. Sorry to interrupt. The way he played, what was it? You know, because Howard sort of technically, I think he was on the F, uh, the FA at one stage as technical director. Maybe again, maybe I'm wrong with that. But what was was he sort of too defensively minded or just dull football? It was. Football? It, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. Sorry, defensively minded. It was just he just wanted everyone just to. So, for instance, his uh, part of what he did was if we get a free kick, the first one there stops the ball, runs out the way, next one comes up and just whacks into the corners. Um, and it was just launching the ball forward all the time, um, and which is fine. I think we could be caught some clubs by um, surprise initially when he took over because we went from being under Billy Bremner almost a a bit like Man City after the day. I'm not saying the same quality, but yeah. keep ball, you know, passing the ball around yeah. you know, to, yeah. to feet and, and playing your way through. So we almost went from like a five-side team to one just launching it. And the change yeah. caught some clubs out, you know, in the early part. But then you, they soon become aware of that. Yeah. It's set yeah. off. And, and then there's nowhere in behind them to hit, to put it. You know, when you put it behind them, it's, it runs out of play. Yeah. Um, so I had the ball at the back one game. Um, and there was plenty of room in the, into the front man. They dropped off almost to the edge of their own box. So I dropped a, a good ball into him. 
He controlled it. We went off and played and we kept possession and we carried on. He jumps off the bench and said, shouting, Rennie, if you do that again, you'll be sitting next to me. And I just thought, that's just ridiculous. You know, yeah. if I'm going to hit it behind them, I'm just going to hit it out of play. Um, so I was a bit, un- you know, I didn't enjoy that part. And then when we had the fallout, um, so I, anyway, following on from that, at the end of the season, you know, I'd, I'd been injured for the, the last part of the season. The, the, the physio and, and doctor just said, just rest it through the summer. Don't do anything. Um, I'll heal, you know, um, and I come back ready to, you know, start training again, which I did. So I didn't do any training in the close season. Came back, started training, and within within a few days, the, the pain and stiffness and that was coming back again. Mm-hmm. So we were playing this this quick game again um, in, in pre-season training um, where one team attacks. If they have a shot, then the goalkeeper picks up another ball and throws it out quickly to the off again. Goalkeeper threw a ball out to me. I, I turned to, to take it and I got this sharp pain in my stomach and I winced and, and I stopped. And he shouted, you know, Renny, what the F is up with you? And I, and I shouted across the told them to F off, basically. Yeah. It was like... That was the end. So it was, it was like, that the summer of 89 then? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, so... So, how, so Bristol City came in. To, how, how did you get rid of that injury? Or were so, you carrying that when you joined us? Because you joined for yeah, you know, hundred seventy-five grand, which was a decent wedge back in the day. That's thirty-three years ago. So, tell us how the move came about and how you overcame the injury. Yeah, so, so I'd asked for a move toward the end of the, the, the previous season, and he told me no. No, you're still in your plans. You're not going anywhere. Um, so I, I came um, and. That that occurred. I had that that sort of you know blast with them in in, in close in the preseason, um, and from going from not being able to talk to anyone and not going anywhere, the next day I was able to talk to Bristol City. So it was it was. Um, so who inquired? Who inquired? Was it Joe asking to sign you, sort of thing? Yes. Or? Yeah. So I, I was I was approached towards the end of the season. There's a guy called Mick Bates who was one of. Um, the old Leeds squad when Joe played there. Team member of Joe, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So he, so he used to come in, um, and he was, and he used to train with us, and with he used to come in and play five sides with us when Billy Brenner was his manager. And then after that, he's still in contact because he was a financial advisor, and he he did some work with some of the players. So I still used to see him, you know, regularly. Um, and he told me that that Bristol had been interested towards the end of the, the previous season. So I was aware of the mm. the interest and. Um, but you know, I told them that you know, you told them not going anywhere, so you know that doesn't really matter. Um, but then when I was told I could talk to them, it was just a case of you know listening. You know, so I met up with Joe um, and uh, Jimmy Lumsden, his assistant at the time. Jimmy, of course, just yeah. up in Weatherby, um, a hotel there. So the Weatherby Resort Hotel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, you know, and and he just said. You know, he won't let me join. Explain what you had there and what you think. You know what he's, you know, he's looking to do and where I'd fit in. Um, I did question because I, I thought probably was a better centre half than midfield player at the time, and he wanted me to play midfield. But I said, don't you think it'd be better at the back? And he said, no, I think you know, I want you in midfield. So okay. uh, that well, was you're it. quite tall for a midfielder though, Dave, aren't you? Because how tall are you? Are you, are you north of six foot? No, I'm, I'm a bit six foot dead on. So, yeah. Okay. So, but for a midfielder, that's decent. That's probably a bit yeah. above height for midfield. So you came down to Bristol. What are your first memory? Had you ever been to Bristol prior to that? Or um, it- I don't. I'm just. I 
don't think I'd ever played in Bristol before. I think it was the first time I'd been yeah. there. So uh, other than what you see on the TV, you know, I don't think yeah. I ever, you know, I don't remember being in Bristol before then. So yeah. it, it was new to me. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, you know, the setup at Ashton Gate at the time was was, was pretty good. So um, you know, it wasn't wasn't a bad setup. Yeah, you came down and what have you? Let's go through some of the teammates you had back then, and yeah, you know, I'll, I'll look through the. I mean. <clears throat> Let's go through them individually. I mean, in goal that 89-90 season, it was fluctuating between Andy Leaning and Ronnie Sinclair. Was Joe playing on rotation or form? What do you recall of those two guys? Yeah, I think it was just I think it was just played on form and fitness. So um from what I re- remember, I don't remember them dropping either of them. I think he started with one and you know, the one in and you know, in goal, then got injured and the other one stepped in and did okay until he maybe got injured in the swap. So that, you know, I might have got that wrong. My memory maybe not be as sharp as it was, but I, I don't remember being, um, um, you know, taking from dropping the goalkeepers. I think yeah. one got in and did all right. Um, Maybe then got an injury. The other one got in and did okay. So he yeah. kept... Andy was quite a bit taller than Ronnie Sinclair as well, wasn't he? Yeah. Like, yeah. Call correctly. Yeah. So those two made that position their own that season. And I'm looking at players that were, should we say, big regulars in there. And it started at the back. I mean, Andy Llewellyn, he played all 46 games. Mm. Uh, what are your recollections of uh, Andy? Local lad, not the tallest. What are your recollections of him? Oh, I mean, Andy was, you know, he, he puts heart and soul into a real sort of Bristol through and through, isn't he? Bristol State through and through, as yeah. you say. Um, and, you know, put everything into the game reliable. Um, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't the... A flash player, but you knew what you get out of them. You get you get the same sort of level of performance out of them fairly consistently. Pretty good defender and decent going forward. You know, it was you know one of those sort of reliable players that you you knew you, you could trust them to put in a decent performance every week. Yeah, on the other flank, a player that I'm sure was a character in the the dressing room, and he had a bit of a track record before he came to City. John Bailey, yeah. Everton. What are your uh, What are your recollections of uh, of John? Yeah, he's. Um, I actually saw. Um, uh, I watched a documentary recently about Howard Howard um, Kendall's Kendall. side, yeah. um, and and there was a bit. And I think Adrian Heath said he was the one one of the funniest guys you'd meet without meaning to be, and he was <laughs> he was a he was a bit like that. Some of the things you'd come out with were were you know it just didn't. They were really funny, but he was being serious, and uh, he, he was—he uh, was obviously toward the end of his career. He—he he wasn't taking, you know, he, he wasn't as professional, let's say, by then as he as, as maybe he had been. But he still good quality on the ball, you know. He was, you know, he, he still had enough nose to be able to. He had a bit of a shot in him. I can remember. I mean, I can't remember what happened two weeks ago, but I can remember yeah. an away match with John Bailey. One of the rare goals he scored, I think it was up at Crew, up at Gresty Road. And he, this was early season, probably end of September, because yeah. it wasn't dark before the uh, before the game ended. But, sorry, it wasn't dark before the game started. And uh, he rattled one in from about thirty yards up there. Yeah. And uh, you know, it was uh, uh, he was a good, he was a good, he was a good chap. Now in the back four, another player who played a lot of games was uh, Glenn Humphreys, known affectionately as. Uh, Psycho, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, was he sort of, and he always had, he always had a, a mean look about him, you know. I mean, what what are your recollections of Glenn? Yeah, Glenn was. Yeah, I got on really, really well with Glenn. He was a, you know, he was a good, he was a good guy. He's he had a, he's very competitive. 
um, bit of a, a short fuse as well. Um, no, no frills about him. He just got stuck in. He loved it. He loved to compete. He loved the the physical part of the game. Um, not the biggest again, no. but, but really sort of put himself about a little bit. And and again, generally pretty reliable. Um, but yeah. so you sort of one of those players again. You knew you'd get you'd get everything out of him. Might make mistakes like we all do, but they'd be gen- trying to do the right thing. You would you know you wasn't you wouldn't he'd turn up every week and, and give him, give you his best. Yeah. yeah. I've got I've got a centre half because I'm guessing what were you playing? Effectively a four two four or was it a four three three back? It was a it was a four it was a four it, it was a four four two I'd say, but well obviously with two wingers, so it's mm. you know it's is it four two Come four. on to the wingers in a minute. Yeah. So centre half, and um, I've got John Pender, but he only played about ten games, and then Rob Newman. Did, was Rob sort of in that in that back four as you recall? Yeah, Rob, it, it was Jen. Most of the time, it was Rob Newman and uh, and Glenn played. You know the, the yeah. back, you know the centre halves. Um, I played some games, but you know it was usually just because maybe covering you know, if one of those was was injured or something. Um, and Rob, so Rob was back there. I mean, again, a servant for Bristol City, also Norwich City as well. We featured him on one of these uh, in conversation pieces before. I mean, what was your impression of uh, of Rob? I mean, he was all another uh, well, a local lad, yeah. really, wasn't he? But he gave his all. Yeah, yeah, he was a he was a good player. Um, not the, not the quickest, strong, but good on the ball. You know, good quality, a good passer, um, good shot. You know, he, he'd scored quite a few goals from free kicks and things. So he's a he could hit the ball, um, and he could he could play a little bit and re, you know reasonably intelligent player as well. So um, again, another another one who was um, you you could rely on him to to, to to do his best. You know, you could rely on him to, to put on a good you know a good performance each week. And as I say, we all play we all good games and make mistakes, but. You know, pretty much most of the players we had were genuine. You know, and tried to do the the best. You know, the best every week. Yeah. Um, and he was another one, but you know, but probably the out the back four. You know, one of the better ones on the ball. Yeah, your partner in crime, if that's the right term, in midfield again, one of uh, a player that uh, like you, I remember from back then, uh, the hub of that side, and that was uh, Gary Shelton. I mean, was he your? Ying to his yang, if, uh, if, yeah. if that's yeah, right you know, and when I think back to, to my career in general, then when, I, when I've sort of I felt I've played my best and when I've been sort of happiest, it's always been when I've had a good uh understanding with someone I'm playing alongside, and, and that can be either someone right next to you in midfield or, or at the back, or it could be a defender one side, you know, a center half one side and uh, a left back the other side, for instance. But you know, I, I think that. Where a, a team performed well is when partnerships around uh, around the pitch, because you start to you get an understanding for what people each other is going to do, and it, and it was a little bit of that, you know. He, Gary liked to to get forward. He liked to get forward and get a yeah. goal, Gary, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, and I and I sort of you know and I sort of backed up things, and you know, so if he run if he went forward and end up on the right, you know, I was I was sort of played on the left, he played on the right. Um, if he end up, you know, forward end up on the left, and I'd move across and he'd drop back in, and and it, and it sort of worked. We sort of worked quite well without having to work hard at it. If that, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, no, that no, that does yeah. make sense. I mean, it was good. Yeah, you know, if you go back over the years, then you know yourself and Gary 
yeah, I'd put up there as a midfield duo along with the likes of Jerry Gow and, and what have you, you know. So, so you've been watching a long time. Mm. You you see little couplings and you and Gary really uh, really worked well that season. You, you said about playing with two wingers and we had two um, very distinct in their styles. I mean, Smudger Smith, 45 appearances, slightly less Gavin. I mean, Gavin was the more varied player. Smith was sort of push and go down the wing, wasn't it, really? With him? Yeah, yeah, he was, he, get no frills with them, you know, just try and get uh, the full back stopped against them, knock it past them and go. Um, and that was it. Or, you, you know, put the ball in behind the full back and he'd get on the end of it. It was, you know, we, we had a, um, a little sort of, um, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't a, a planned move, but it, it came off quite quite often. If if John Bailey got the ball at left back, I know he decent quality to play it in the front man, and and what particularly happened when Nicky Morgan was playing up there because he was quite a smart, intelligent player with a with a good touch. So if if John Bailey got the ball, and he was able to drop it into the front man, I could sort of judge by the 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 quality of the ball going in, how whether it be a he'd have to take one touch or two touch to, to control it. It was I know he was good enough to play it off one touch. So I'd uh, judge the ball going into Nicky, and then I'd make myself available just when he's ready to play it. He'd, he'd lay it off to me and Smithy would know it'd be coming and he'd be gone. So then I'd put him behind the, the, the full back and, and he'd be off. And that happened that happened quite a lot and you know during the during the season. Um it wasn't yeah. planned, it was just again coming being able to play with players and understanding what each other can do. And because Smithy used to play on the left, didn't he? And you were essentially left. So rather than you pinging it left to right, you were doing it left down the line yeah. sort of thing. So yeah, so just in behind, between the centre-half and the full-back or just over the top of them. Yeah. But it was, you know, it was a, it, it, it worked quite often. And, and just that's purely down to understanding what each each player, each player around you can do and, and understanding that, you know, what their, their qualities and abilities are and, and, yeah. and, and playing off that, that's it. And and Gavs was a slightly different player, wasn't he? A bit more tricky and 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 skillful, if uh, if I recall correctly. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he, he was a different player and he had a different personality as well. He was. Uh, he was a bit of a card shark as well, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah, he liked he liked his cards and he, and he was a he was a bit more. Smithy was quite. Um, Smithy had a, had a good um, sense of humour, but he was he was still he was relatively quiet and subdued. He wasn't a flash type of character, whereas. Mark, Mark Gavin was the opposite. He was a flash, you know. He was a loud, you know, um, uh, bulky type of character, if you like. And it, and it sort of rubbed Joe Jordan up the wrong way a little bit, you know. So Did it? He, he didn't, right. they were they were a bit opposite. Joe was the opposite. He's quite. Um, uh, I went. He's not. He was quite subdued, quite quiet in terms of his personality until he got yeah. he got riled, and he, he was a bit different then. Yeah. But um, yeah, so Gav was the the, the, the loud one in the. In, in the club, if you like, you know. Yeah, the joker or the, yeah, yeah. the, 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 the wise guy. Up front, um, most of the games, well, 37 games, 27 goals, 34 in all appearances, including the cup. We'll come on to some of the matches in a minute. So Bob Taylor goes out saying, Robbie Turner uh, didn't play too many matches, but those two as a strike force, it was literally big guy, little yeah. guy, fox in the box, bash, Biff bash, yeah. an ideal combination up front, really, weren't they? Yeah, it gives you, it sort of gave you um, options when you're you're trying to find someone. You you knew that as a as a club we could we could send it long and and high up through the middle, and Robbie Turner would win more than his fair share. 
Um, you know, and so Bob could play off that. We all you could get the pitch, the whole team up the pitch a little bit because you know we'd rather stick with them or you know he'd flick it on. Um, and Bob was sort of one of those players that he. I was thinking about him the other day when we, we arranged this. You know, he he didn't have he was one of those players who you couldn't say he was the best at anything, but he was pretty good at most things. You know, so yeah. he, he wasn't the biggest. And he wouldn't win every ball in the air, but he won, he's, he's won a fair share. Um, he wasn't the quickest, but when he got the opportunity, he'd, he'd, he'd get on the end of quite a lot of stuff. So he wasn't, you know, wasn't so he, he's not going to, he wouldn't electrically run away from people, but he was quick enough to get away from, you know, if he got the chance. Um, and he's, you know, his finishing and work rate was 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 pretty good as well. So he's, he was one of those things that um, you, you couldn't sort of say he was brilliant at that. But he was he was pretty good at most things, you know. So yeah. he, so which means regardless of what the, the sort of service was like going at the box, he had a chance of getting on the end of it. He was sharp enough to be get in front of the centre half. He was good enough in the air to jump them when, when it came, and he was you know and he was strong enough to to hold most of them off. So um, you know he was a bit of a and he reminds me of a bit of a shearer rest type type of player. Yeah, He's, yeah. you know that 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 mould I'd say. No, that's good. No, he was great. That was well. That was his probably the best season. Although he went on and enjoyed a very good career with West Brom, yeah, did Bob, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, from that perspective. What was Joe Jordan like as a manager? Because Jimmy Lumsden was the quiet one. Was Joe as aggressive as a manager as he was as a player? I always found him great to deal with when I was doing the media stuff back then. I mean, he was a, you know, he, he, I had a few uh, up and downs with him uh, a couple of times, but. Um, he, he, he commands respect with the playing record he had. I guess. Yeah, and he's and, and he's he's person as a person. Now he's he's quite actually quite um, reasoned and controlled in terms of the way he comes across and the way he talks. You know, he'd come in at half time if and if things weren't going particularly great, he wouldn't be ranting and raving. He'd be quite uh, methodical about the way he went. Think quite reasoned about you know what's going wrong, what we need to be need to be doing until someone said something and then his fuse would be about you know a, you know a millimeter long and that's when he'd explode. Uh, so generally speaking he was you know quite reasoned quite um rational in the way he came across and explained things well and and as long as you sort of took it in and said yeah yeah i get that now if you questioned it then he'd be you know then he could explode <laughs> so um i think you just need to understand to you know where you know where the line was with him, because you didn't want to, you didn't want to cross the line. Yeah. Uh, well, let, let's let's get into the uh, let's get into the season. I mean, you started in the side, and we've covered off just well, we've covered off everybody that was in that uh, starting lineup, and the team got off to uh, uh, a decent uh, a decent start. Uh, although the first time you score, the first time you put the ball in the back of the net. Was an away game at Tranmere on a Friday night. We got hugged yeah. six 0 I remember that because we'd started well that season, and I'm just sort of checking as I speak to you now. Yeah, we'd won four out of the first seven, something like that, but then went to Tranmere on a Friday night, six 0 Rennie own goal, fifty five minutes. Probably don't even remember. I do, that, I do remember it. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but just one was things. Um, I think quite, quite a wet evening. I think the, the ball was. Running back into our box, the ball was whipped across at the near post, and you try to. And I was sort of the near post, and you try to stop it, and it just nicked your toe and passed the keeper. But, uh, 
Um, I, I, I think I'm not sure. I don't think it was one of the first goals. I think it was. I think the damage had already. No, I think, been done. Yeah, I think. I think in looking at that, I think the damage had been. Uh, I think it was number three. Number yeah, three. yeah. We, we, we <laughs> I remember. I remember. But then, on a on a more positive note, you got your first goal a few weeks after that in a three nil home win against Wigan, which put you on a run of uh, one defeat in fourteen games, which really cemented City's uh, yeah. place in the top. Uh, well, top two basically. Um, do you remember that one? Home yeah, against Wigan? yeah, I do. It was because um, it was a it was a box to box one. Uh, from what I remember, it was they had a, a corner. For, I remember, I I headed us out, you know, the near post, um, and it, it went out. It came back into someone the end of the box. And from what I, I, I seem to think, remember, I nicked off the guy and it went to to John Bailey uh, on the left back, who then played it forward, and I just ran forward to, to, to get to get up in, in, in support. We then broke in, I think it was Dave Smith down the left-hand side. Yeah. I'm trying to get forward, me and Martin Gavin, and I shouted to for him to, to go to the near post because I was never going to get you know get there first. So he went to the near post, Smithy played it back into the middle. And remember, I was sort of stretching a little bit uh, the back post, and, but it was a quite a wet day. So I knew I just, if I could angle it back the way and just get it, just get it down. It was skim off, and then I yeah. to get to the back post, almost stretching to get it, but just controlled it back um, towards the, the the far post, the the opposite the way it came from, and it just skidded into the corner. So uh, I I think that's great memory recall there, Dave. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't gonna. I, I, I bet if I asked you about all the goals you scored, which was uh, eight goals in your whole time with us. You probably remember most of them, and I, I'm, I'm not going to pick up on it. Yeah, yet. I don't, I don't think, I don't remember all of them. I just remember that one. Just remember that one, maybe. Well, I, remember, I remember, I think it was uh, one at Reading, which was from outside the box. I think I remember yeah. that. But um, let's take a sidetrack from uh, league action because it was not a bad cup season for uh, City or one game in particular. I mean, having overcome uh, Barnet, Fulham, and Swindon in the rounds one, um, yeah, rounds one, two, and three. Um, Again, the high point of the season. Um, well, the high point was being promoted, but a one-off game. Beating Chelsea 4-1. Uh, I think it was Robbie. Bob got two and Robbie got one. Do you remember that game? That was a massive, uh, biggest game at Ashton Gate. Strangely many. enough, I actually don't. I don't, <laughs> I don't remember when you said it to me. I, 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 we won that one. We won that uh, one there. Yeah, I don't. I, don't, I let's, remember let's, Let's move on then. I remember but a bit more of the, the next, Swindon game. The next round, you probably thought quarter-final beckoned because the next round, you got a home tie against Cambridge, which you drew nil-nil, and then 1-1 in the away tie went to both of those. And then I think it was in the day where you toss a coin to decide the uh, third thing and uh, it got dumped out the cup 5-0. Do you... Uh, 5-1, rather. Do you remember that one? I don't. No, again, I don't. I, for some reason, I don't, I don't remember those ones. It's, uh, oh, well. I've got, got a bang. Let's get, bang. Let's, get, let's get back into the... Let's get a bang uh, in the head on those games. Back, I think. Get back into the league. I mean, City are up there, vying up and down with uh, the Rovers. I mean, the side was hit by a bit of a tragedy because they, uh, Joe wanted to strengthen the side. I mean, it was tragic what happened with Dean Horrocks, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah they yeah. signed him and I mean, I suppose he hadn't been with the players long enough to be an integral part of the group. But, you know, one minute you're he's playing with you, I think, up at Shrewsbury, and then 24 hours later you're getting reported. That not the side at all, because he went out and brought in Ian Ferguson to, to make up the gap. But 
do you recall anything about uh, you know losing one of your teammates in tragic circumstances? Yeah, I, I do. Uh, as you say, it's a, such a long time ago, and, and it was a he wasn't with us that long. But I, I remember as being a, a good guy, you know, just decent sense of humour, and you know, quite you know lively to be around, um, and also a decent quality player. You know, he was you know you could tell he, he understood the game and he had a good touch, etc. Um, so yeah, it was a bit of a as you say, it's it hadn't been around enough, long enough for it to really to really hit. Other than it's it's one of those things you know could happen to anyone at any time. So yeah, that's no, true. Like that. Well, the cyber in I mean the cyber in sparkling form. I remember the March early April period, a five nil away win at uh, Swansea. Uh, young Chris Honor was playing in that one, who helps us out with match analysis sometimes. Uh, 4-1 home, Bob got a hat-trick that day, 4-1 home win in a night match against uh, Crew. Taylor got a hat-trick that night, but then missed a few games. And then 5-1 against uh, Fulham on, uh, I think it was Good Friday or Easter Monday. Ferguson was in the side back then. Um, it was City and Rovers going neck and neck, and City were in that number one position. But then games 42 to 45... Four games, two points, including a 3-0 reverse to Rovers. Although you won the final game at home to Walsall, 4-0, the side should really have won the championship that season. And although Nicky Morgan came in and scored a couple, do you think if Bob had maintained his fitness, that probably would have got us over the line in first place? Yeah, um, possibly. You know, Who knows? I, I just seem to remember that little run where um, there's one that stands out to me, and again, you know, to memory, you know, I may be sort of misremembering. I think it was a way at uh, Orient, late in Orient, I think it was. And um, I think we were winning 1 0 or 2 1, or I think we were one ahead. And there was just a long kick from the keeper right down the middle. We missed it, and they went and scored towards the end and, and, and equalized. Or, you know, and, and it was little things like that. One of the things that sort of I I remember where we were in good good positions and just didn't didn't follow through. You know, we for some reason I don't know if it was um, I didn't I didn't think as a team that we were starting to you know choke at you know any point, but yeah. something happening. You know, I didn't get the feeling that nerves were getting the better of us, but obviously the some obviously something was happening. You know, and yeah. Maybe, well, I'm just looking while you're talking now. Actually, looking at that Orient game, that was the game after they'd won at uh, after you'd won at home against Fulham. And it says here, City are denied a club record equaling 13th away win when Turner's header is disallowed because of a Morgan foul. And then the following uh, couple of games after uh, that, I remember an away game, drew at home to Huddersfield, and then it was an away game at Bolton, and. Joe bought Bob Taylor back, but he clearly wasn't fit. But he was substituted in that game, and that was that was uh, that was critical. But I mean, being a City fan, losing the losing out to Rovers, you know, was just damn annoying at the end of the day. But uh, but there you go. But there you go. You played forty five of the forty six league games. Looking back, would you say that was the high point of your career? Brink being in a I mean, you had promotion before, but was that the, the high point of your your season? Your, your um, at, at the, at the, up to that point, yeah, it's it's strange. You you, you see, um, you feel sort of proud, disappointed, upset for for different reasons at different times, and it, it's and it's not always to do with 
um, the level you're playing at and the um, you know and and what you've achieved. It's it was it was it was a great season. It was it's one of those things that um, a bit like you just said, I'm possibly enjoyed it less because we didn't win because when I think we should have. Um, you know, it's you know, getting promoted, getting promoted was great, but I felt we should have gone up as champions. Yeah, you know, regardless, regardless of the the, the the Bristol City away game, the Rovers away split, game. Yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. Rovers away game. Sorry, um, because that that was always going to be a lottery going to um, going to Bath because the pitch was terrible. Oh God, it was awful. Um, it was it was a horrible place to play, um, and it was a, a one goal start for them. Every week, anyway, you know, just it was, it was, it was a bit more than a leveler. It would give them an advantage, um, and particularly the way they played. You know, they were they give them the due. They were a decent side, but they were, you know, a hard, hard-working, uh, physical side. Not, not nasty physical. I don't mean that, but they, you know, they, they worked hard. They, they put themselves about, and we were probably more of a footballing team, which doesn't suit that type of pitch, and we um, didn't, and we didn't adapt to it. So my sort of disappointment is we hadn't had things won before then, which yeah. was, you know. Uh, it was a great, it was a great, great season. And Joe and the style of football, as you say, with Smith and Gavs and Bob Taylor and Robbie, you and uh, you and um, Gary in the middle, Rob Newman and and Psycho. Just it was it was a good season to watch it. Then there you are, back up in what is now the Championship. Uh, Joe had gone out and signed in defence. Uh, Mark Hazelwood and uh, Andy May looking at the side that lined up on the opening game of the season. Again, I remember it uh, quite well. It was a 4-2 home win against Blackburn. And there we were back in the top flight. Uh, won that. Won the next game at Swindon. Drew at home against Plymouth. But then, again, I can remember this like it was yesterday. We played West Brom uh, up at the Hawthorns. And um, we lost only 2-1. But the rumour was going that Joe was leaving and he's going to go to Hearts. And hmm, that was a blow losing Joe, wasn't yeah. it? Really? Yeah, there's because um, Jimmy, you know, Jimmy Lumberton was a, a good coach and he was good. Um, and although he said he was quiet, he, he was pro- he, he wasn't quiet in the dressing room. He was quite he had a good sense of humour. He was he was a joker. Um, he liked to have a laugh. Um, and he was good. He was good around uh, around the dressing room. Good on the training pitch, etc. But it's different being a manager to being a coach. Mm. Um, you need different sort of attributes, and um, and I'm I'm you know I'm not sure. I'm careful I put this. I think you know Joe Joe had sort of, as you say commanded that respect because of yeah. what he's done and his stature and, and probably a little bit a little bit of fear in, in some ways. You know you didn't people didn't necessarily want to cross him. Um, but he didn't. He didn't rule by fear, you know. He's, yeah. Jimmy was a nice guy for, yeah. for Joe. Good cop, bad cop. Jimmy would probably be the guy that put his arm around somebody yeah. that got bollocking. Exactly. And Joe, yeah. 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 And and again, you know, that's a hallmark of Bristol City. You know, the guy who's been number two gets it. But we were in a different level, and you know, maybe they should have gone for somebody a bit senior. But in fairness, I mean, in fairness, Jimmy. Did okay that season. There were a few matches. He just missed, finished ninth with 67 points, missed the playoff by mm. two points. So it wasn't too bad. Now, that season for you, you played in all the first 25 games, but then missed 
a big chunk of the season. This is 1991 season. Was that injury or was Andy May was in midfield? Were they changing? Was Jimmy changing the structure or was it was it an injury? Uh, that, from what I remember, it's a bit. It's probably a little bit of both. Um, yeah. Probably injury initially, um, and then you, you. It's sometimes hard pick off a little bit, and then if the team is struggling a little bit, then you know there might be a bit of rotation if if you like. You know, I you know I honestly can't remember. Yeah, you know, exactly what what happened. Um, but I do remember, you know, being injured for some reason, um, and it was it was probably a case of when the team's a little bit up and down as well. It's trying to find that formula that's going to get that consistency. Um, you know, and I I unfortunately for the second half of my career, I was injured probably half the time. Um, so a combination of that and a combination of me playing. I was I was all because I was able to play in different positions. I actually, probably played in every position, outfield position, apart from centre forward. Yeah. Uh, you know, at some point in my career, and in some way, it's a double-edged sword. In some ways, that's good because you've got more chance of playing because you can you can play in different positions. But for me, it was often hard to to pick up the pace straight away. You know, I'd, I'd be maybe quite happy playing at the back and, and playing consistently, playing well. Then asked to move into midfield to cover. And struggle to pick that up straight away, and then maybe get to a point where I was playing all right, and then move again. And it was so it was. And, and when you signed for City, it was a three-year contract, I guess. Is that right? Yeah. Three yes, from what I remember, yeah. 1991, because 91-92 season again, Jimmy started the season in charge. Um, again, you Russell Russell Osman had come into the club by then. You played the first 26 games again, but then Joe, Joe, Jimmy's tenure was looking questionable by then, wasn't it? Yeah. And then a 3 0 defeat away at Newcastle, uh, Kevin Keegan's first game in charge up there. Um, he'd gone within a few weeks of that. I mean, Dennis Smith came in as manager. You didn't feature again, having featured in the first 26 games, doesn't look like you featured that much under Dennis. I mean, a different character again, I guess. Yeah, and more of a Howard Wilkinson. Well, I didn't, style I didn't have too much to do. I think, um, I think I'm not sure because I just, I think I just went on to Birmingham just before Dennis came in. Was so, it okay? So you um, didn't. Okay, you 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 transferred to Birmingham mid-season then. Yeah. Yeah. So I went out, I went out alone towards the end of the season. Um, and and then I, I think I've, I think I had a conversation with Dennis Smith, but I don't think I was there when he took over. So I went out alone towards the end of Jimmy's uh, time there, and then and then signed permanently for 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 Birmingham. And then Birmingham. So again, that was a another a good well between ninety two and ninety nine. You played almost two hundred games for another uh, well Birmingham. Coventry, Northampton, and Peterborough. Were there any highlights there at all? Because you you did you you amassed four hundred games, which is a damn decent uh, career, and you were getting a scoring ratio probably of about one in ten, which for a defensive midfielder is not uh, not too bad at all, really. But uh, what what are the highlights of your post Bristol City? Uh, Obviously, getting into getting back and playing in the Premier League was. Um, yeah. Was was something pretty special, you know. I think when when you sort of drop out and you spend um, probably the I think it was twenty seven when I went to Coventry, something like that. You know, you you've from from about 
21 to 27 of, of playing outside of the top flight. So you maybe don't think it's it's going to happen again. Um, and I sort of came through a, a bit of a fortuitous. We were playing a, a pre-season tournament at Birmingham um, with it was Birmingham, Coventry, and a couple of overseas team which which slipped my mind. But we played against Coventry in one of the, those games, and I had a really good um, against Coventry. And apparently they came in after that and and offered off, asked to buy me, which and Birmingham said no. It was only then, only after a while, that um, had a bit of a fallout with the, the manager Terry Cooper at the time. Not not a huge bust up, um, but then I was then in a swap deal with um, a man called David Smith, so he came to Coventry, and I only went there um, because Stuart Robson, the midfield player I played against, and in, in that became in, got injured. So I ended the season and thinking that just a bit of a stopgap to. You know, while he's getting back fit and then volunteer take over, but it didn't quite work out that way. I actually got in and did okay. Um, and who was the manager? Who was the manager? Was, um, uh, Bobby Gould. Oh, Bobby, yeah, who still lives yeah. down uh, these here parts, yeah. as I'm sure you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, so I, you know, so, you know, in his mind, I was, I was a stopgap, but things went, went okay for me. So I managed to sort of pretty much retain my, my position in there. Um, again, till injury. So it got me out again. So that was a good period for you in Coventry, then in it, the uh, it was, in the it, top flight. Yeah, it was good. It, it, it was good. Yeah, good to sort of pick pick yourself against you know the, the top players at the time, even though it was always a, a we knew it was always going to be a slog for for us at Coventry, and that, I think that's one of the reasons why Coventry stayed up over that period because um, someone like Bobby, re, I think you recognise who Coventry were. Um, and the standard of player that you could attract to Coventry, you, you, there's no point going out and spend a lot of money on players who are going to be um, not much, much of the not make much of a difference, not have a real fight in them. So he, he brought players in who knew what they were getting themselves. So was Mick Quinn there at Coventry at that yeah. time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he was, I mean, almost Bobby had done it with Wimbledon, so Coventry was a bit like Wimbledon in that respect, that they were battlers because they were always down there, but they stayed up for 30 years. Yeah, and we, we, you know, we, although we knew it was going to be a fight every year, I don't think we ever really thought we were ever going to go down. Um, and I think it was when, it was when Ron Atkinson took over eventually that he had higher thoughts for, for, for commentary and tried to make, you know, tried to, he was just sort of thinking, let's, let's make sure we're, we're prepared for the battle each year sort of thing. Um, which isn't a bad thing, but it's you, you've got in my mind. You've always got to think about well. There's so many, there's only so many players around that really make a difference to teams. Um, you know, unless you've got a team full of great players, there's there's certain players that make a difference on their own. You think about you know the very top people like a Maradona. You know, he'd go in, but there's so few of them around that they're not going to be interested in coming to Coventry. So no. what you know they when they want to go to the big teams. So what happens is you get someone who's maybe not quite as good, who's not going to make that difference on their own, but they're necess necessarily battle-hardened, let's say. You know, they're not really up for a fight. They want to play, they want to go and, you know, play play on a nice day and a nice pitch and, you know, and enjoy it. Where, com you know, the comedy can't afford to have those types of players. They need everyone putting a shift in every game. Yeah. And then you have a bit of quality within that. So people like Peter and Love at the time, you know, he was a you know he's a really good player but he put a shift in 
Um, and then decent quality around. We had Phil Babbitt at one point who went on. Phil Babbitt, yeah. yeah. Um, so we had some decent players, but they all knew that it was about, you know, fighting as a team and working hard as yeah. a team to, to stay yeah. in. So, you know, I think... Who was, a, who, was the best man, who was the best manager you've played under, you know, where he commanded your respect? Might not have always agreed with him, but, you know, you've played under a, a load of managers through your career, but who who who... Who, who yeah, I thought I thought Joe was was very good. Um, I think you know I think it only it probably speaks for itself a little bit how well Bristol City did when he was a manager and, and how it fell away a little bit when he left. Yeah. Um, you know, it's because I think he he commanded that respect. He understood the game. He he didn't he didn't rule by fear, but to to use the you know the Fergie analogy, he could give the hairdryer if you know if if it needed yeah. it. Uh, and and you would listen, you know. It's you know some people try to do that, but it just it, you know it's a bit incongruous with you know who they actually are. So you know he had sort of all those qualities, and I think that that made a difference. Yeah. Um, another one was another one who was who was good and bad in equal measure. If he you know for different reasons, Ron Atkinson. You know when I was there, he could build you up and make you feel you're the best player in the world. But then if he didn't like you, he could just treat you like something yeah. that's so true <laughs> um, you know so I remember you know as I said <coughs> second half career I was injured for probably half of it you know so those 400 games could have easily been 600 um, so I I was I had I, I, I got I, I inflamed my Achilles tendons in one pre-season uh, just before Ron Atkinson arrived and because I you know I was fighting for a, a position all the time I didn't I carried on you know I kept playing um, and it got to the point where I, I couldn't train. I was playing, but couldn't train. And I, I was having injections. And it got to the point where I was struggling to make a game. But he would come in and say, you're okay, aren't you? You're great. Can't, you know, really need you. And you'll run this. You'll, you'll be able to do this. You'll manage things. You'll organize a team. You'll, have, you'll be in control of this. And, and you sort of get you thinking, yeah, I'm okay. I can play. And, and, <laughs> but then in an equal measure, he didn't. There's a, a player called Mike Marsh who used to play at Liverpool. And for some reason, he came in and just took a dislike to him, and I don't and I don't know why. Um, but we'd be playing, you know, um, practice matches or you know, games in training, and the rule was always if you know if you lost the losing team, if they lost by three three goals or more, then they had to, you know, they had to do some running. So remember, you know, I was on the winning team with Mike Marsh, and I said, right, the losers over here, you lost lost by five. What were you doing running? And I went, Marshy, you know. You're on a winning team, but unlucky for you, and you you come with them. So <laughs> he made he do stuff like that, and he just he, he was just picking on him all the time. And I don't know if he was trying to drive him to do something to so he could sack him or what. I don't know what. But, yeah. Um, oh. So he could be you know if he wanted to build you up, he could. But then if he didn't like you, then take you down. Who who was the most difficult opponent you ever came up against in your career? Um, I think the the. Again, they're difficult for different reasons for at different times of your um, journey, let's say. I remember playing for Leicester City. I, for, when I first broke into the team, I, for some reason, two boxing days in a row, we played away at Liverpool, and I hadn't been in the team, and I was in the team for those two games away. Huh. Um, so um, when they were you know, when they were winning the league all, all the time, yeah. winning cups, so Doug Lee, Sunis, Hansen, all those players playing... Um, and I remember playing, I played the, the first game I played away there, I played at the back, played at half, and the second game I played in midfield. 
Um, so I played at the back and it was against Douglasian, um, Douglasian Rush for, for the front two. Um, and I remember I just couldn't read Douglish. You know, I couldn't. So I remember the ball coming, the ball coming in his chest and I could see Craig Johnston running on his bike. So I think he's going to, he's going to hook it. He's going to right foot. He's going to hook it that way for Craig Johnston to run. So I've put myself that side and he's turned the other way and hooked it with his left foot and behind. So, um, you know, it was just, you know, and, and he kept a little thing he used to do when, when he's going for a throw in to receive it, he just the last minute, he just stepped back. So you could plow it in the back, back of him and he'd, uh, and he'd get a free kick. So get a free kick all the time. So, yeah. so I was, I was 19. He was probably, he was at his peak and, you know, and I just couldn't, you know, I, it was just all those little tricks. I couldn't, I couldn't read. But we managed to win, so we came away with a win. <laughs> oh, that's somehow that'll be a yeah. big, uh, a big thing yeah. winning at Anfield as well. Yeah. I mean, looking yeah. back again over your career, you must have made loads of friends in football because you played for, you know, some good clubs and quite a few clubs as well. Who, who are your best friends in football that you still keep in touch with, and anybody from your days at Ashton Gate that's still on your uh, Christmas card list, if you have one? Yeah, no, I'm, I was always, no, I was always, a, I'm quite a, um, a reserved type, really. You know, I quite, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, I quite like a normal life, you know, fairly. So I, I, my main life was going to football, football was a job, and then my life was away from it. Um, wasn't exclusively, obviously, just we, we'd go for a few drinks after games, and I'd yeah. go for a night out with the players. So I still got on well with, with them all. But I, I kept the two parts separate, if you like. So I've never really been one to sort of really keep in, in touch with, with players over time. Uh, that being said, when you bump into them, you know, whether it may be on holiday or you see someone, you know, somewhere for, for whatever reason, it's like you pick up where you left off, you know. So um, I don't keep in touch with, with players, um, but I, I still get on well with them when I see them. Yeah, um, brings, back, I, brings back the old time. It's interesting you say you keep football and life so football's a job and life is is one thing. Did you ever contemplate a career within the game once your uh, playing career was over? I, I didn't. Um, I decided quite early on um, that the, for two reasons. I, I didn't particularly want to have a, a job, um, you know, teaching you know, kids football and stuff. I've not really got the patience for that. If I, was wanting, if I wanted to stay in football, I'd want it to be a decent level. Um, you know, working with people who had who could play already, and you just try to make them better, not trying to teach them how to kick a ball. Um, so I thought, you know, there's only at the time there's only so many of those jobs around, so you're more likely to be, you know, and there's more and more people looking to get them there each year. So I thought you're more likely to be out of a job than in a job. It's also if you want those types of jobs, it's also more about you know who you know than what you know, mm. um, you know because you see that someone gets a manager's job and their coaches move around with them all the time. So I just made the decision that um, I like I like a fairly steady life. I thought I don't want to be searching around for a job and have to move all the time to get a job and um, and that upheaval that goes with your life. I just wanted to thought there's a more chance of getting a decent, having a job and making a reasonable living outside of it than in it. And it's yeah. going to be a bit more of a, a stable life. So I decided that quite early on. Yeah. And I think that was the right thing for me because with the young family and at the time, since they've sort of grown up, you know, part of me thinks it would have been nice to, to have stayed in in some capacity. Um, but that, you know, it's probably... And do you watch, I mean, you, you told me uh, at the beginning, do you, do you 
um, but you still you live just outside Leicester. I mean, do you watch any football in person, or do you watch it from a distance on on TV? You see, some friends of mine have got um, through through business they have. They've got like, I think half a dozen eight, eight season tickets at Leicester, so they use that for entertaining clients and stuff. Uh, but maybe a couple of times a year they'll they'll invite uh, us down to go with them, and we do that as a as friends and as a social thing, not not because. It's just let's go and see the game. So other than that, I don't actually go and watch any any live live games. I tend to go and watch more live rugby. I I quite enjoy watching rugby. I think for me, it's football for me lost its way a little bit. Um, it became yeah. too sanitised, and let's say um, the, the the ability to compete was taken out of it. You know, I've never been one where I, I've never believed that you should be able to bully people in games and, and be and try to hurt people and stuff and saying that you should be able to compete you should be able to you know genuinely try and tackle for the ball and go yeah. for the there should be still and that was taken out it looks like this year they're trying to put that back in a little bit it's interesting you make that point I was going to raise that because this year and I thought referees that season during lockdown where they didn't have the crowd on their backs I thought that was good last season but this season Definitely, the games are flowing a bit more, and you're seeing some block. You're seeing some incidents where you're thinking, "Oh, he's let that go." Yeah. and I think the game's better for it. You agree is. with that? Yes, I do, and I think that's that's one of the reasons I stopped. I stopped watching it really because it was just, it was. I mean, there's there's so much going for players nowadays. You know, the the um, the the, the uh, what's the word the. Uh, the environment they're, they're playing in is, is so much better. The pitches are generally so much better. Um, so they're not having to watch the ball all the way on the foot in case it bounces up at the last minute. You know, they can pretty much trust it. They know that no one's going to come through the back of them and, and take them from the knees. Um, you know, so, you know, the, the whole condition, it's, 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 it must be a joy to play in. Um, yeah. Some, but in some ways, that takes away the, the attraction. You know, it's the you know that you want a bit of com com competition. You want a bit of uh, people want to. You want some you know a bit of physical contact. And again, as I, say, I don't, I, I I don't want for a minute to go back to these where you know, there was there was people you know who who could just you mentioned Wimbledon before. You know they bullied their way to you know through through games. And I don't I don't want I don't ever want to see that again. But I want people to be able to genuinely challenge for the ball and genuinely yeah. make a tackle and and. and and bump the, the goalkeeper, you know, and make contact with the goalkeeper at a corner, and it be and it not be disallowed. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, no, that's, yeah, no, so that's that, good. That's yeah. that's good that it go like that. It's interesting you say you got friends at Leicester because obviously, you know, Leicester Brendan Rodgers up there seems to be under a hell of a lot of uh, pressure at, at the moment in this day and age. Uh, you know, you're never more than three games away from a crisis. Um, our manager, Nigel Pearson, he's still held in very high regard up there, isn't he? And I look yeah. on their forum and people sort of say, oh, bring Nigel back. And, you know, and there seems to be a bit of banter going on with the fans up there. With, but Mike, Martin O'Neill was better and Nigel seems to get a lot of uh, support. But uh, do you feel that living in the area that, you know, the club is at a bit of a crossroads because the family have been quite conservative with their money up there? looking at it from afar, um, they're not the force that they were, but, you know, Nigel, uh, 
you know, he he he's still well respected up there, isn't he, amongst Leicester fans? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of people, me included, think that the the title winning team was was you know was on the base, you know, on the structure that Nigel Pearson put in place. You know, Leicester, Claudio Ranieri just inherited something that um, that was. I don't think I don't think really was ever going to win the league. But then this perfect storm came along where all the yep. best teams were, were shooting themselves in the foot and losing to everybody. Well, if Steve Gerrard had fallen over or if, you know... Yeah. The, yeah. I mean, so, perfect storm. Yeah, yeah. and all the... And, and Leicester were managing... It reminded me a little bit of the, the Leeds title winning team where they pretty much played 13 players for the whole um, for the whole season. You know, Leicester was about the same. They had this, this team that gelled and they were being quite efficient about the, what they did. They were catching teams by surprise and how they caught them on the break. So they were, you know, they were new. They were new, if you like, in that respect. People didn't really hadn't weighed them up yet. So there's a bit of that and a bit of the, the the rest of the league, you know, no consistency. But that they wouldn't have got all that, I don't think, without you know the work that Nigel Pearson had done, you know, the seasons before. I think he set them up ready for that. Uh, and Ranieri came in and it just all fell into place for him. It did. Uh, yeah, well, we're we're hoping uh, down here, Nigel. I mean, it's taken time, but we're we seem as though we're getting it back together now. I'm enjoying not not just because referees letting the games flow, but this season um, it's been enjoyable to watch for the first time in a long time. I know you don't follow the club uh, closely, but um, you know I think he's got a good team around him now. Your namesake on the uh, yeah. physio side, we got some good youngsters coming uh, through. One question I've got to ask you before we wrap up. Did you ever sort out that stomach injury about the time that you left? Yeah, so I... Did you prove right in the end? Yeah, so so I... Um, um, so when, so when uh, Joe, uh, Joe and Jimmy, I told them, look, I've got, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, once, once, you know, I'm interested, you know, but, you know, they tell you I've got this injury, you know, they, and I told them, they, they're telling me it's a, um, it's a groin strain. But it's, you know, I know it's in my lower stomach, you know, so, you know, I, I, I told them that straight from the park, you know, from the start. So I said, well, well we, we, we sort of had the, the contract negotiation, agreed on that. I went, then went for a medical and had the medical and the, 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 the doctor or the surgeon, whoever did the medical said, yeah, you've got, you've got hernia. So I had a hernia on my left, on my left side. Um, and we spoke to him and, and Joe said, well, you know, we're, we think we think we think maybe uh, you know we can maybe if you're careful with it we think we'll get through we'll, we'll take the risk so because I knew what it was it was on my left side I'm right footed generally although I can play with my left I because I knew what it was I was sort of quite careful in what I was doing in the training I was careful in terms of you know I wasn't I wasn't putting too much effort or anything with my left foot you know short passing and if it you know and I, I didn't anything too uh, ambitious with it or any shots or like that. So I, I nursed it through the year and then had it fixed at the end of the year. Yeah, so, well, you, that was a pretty damn good year. Dave, we look, this interview's been arranged by Neil at the former Players Association. I know he's keen to get you down to come. be great to see you down there, maybe with some of your teammates from the 89-90 uh, season, but uh, on behalf of everybody who listens to uh, Forever Bristol uh, City podcast, uh, thank you for giving us a very interesting account of your uh, career. What if I've been unlucky? Really, I ain't got a thing. There's a time I always feel happy, as happy as a king. 
when the red, red robin comes bob, bob, bobbing along, along. There'll be no more sobbing when he starts throbbing his old sweet song. Oh, wake up, wake up, you sleepyhead. Get up, get up, get out of bed. Cheer up, cheer up, the sun is red. Live, love, laugh and be happy. What if I've been blue? Now I'm walking through fields of flowers. Rain may glisten, but still I listen for hours and hours. I'm just a kid again, doing what I did again, singing a song. When Rivers Robbins are bubba bobbing along. Red Robin comes bob, bob, bobbing along, along. There'll be no more sobbing when he starts robbing his old sweet song. Oh, wake up, wake up, you sleepyhead. Get up, get up, get out of bed. Cheer up, cheer up, the sun is red. Live, love, laugh and be happy. What if I've been blue? Now I'm walking through fields of flowers. Rain may glisten, but still I listen for hours and hours. I'm just a kid again, doing what I did again, singing a song. When the red, red, brown, my stars, pop, pop, popping along.